Take your Bibles to John chapter 14, if you will. And Colby, I'm going to throw up a few verses I didn't give you real fast. Is that possible to do that? If not, we can just do it old-fashioned and open our Bibles, okay? Why don't we just open our Bibles to John chapter 14, if you will. I I try to get the verses to him and the message to him uh, early. But then he has to put all those verses up there. So we're just going to turn. We're going to use paper now. So open up the book. <laughs> Don, you got your, you got your phone there. Okay, there we are. Okay, let's start at verse 16 then. They're going to impromptu get some verses up there. We're in John chapter 14. And I want to read uh, verse 16 and, and read down for a while. And I want us to look at, uh, we're looking at the works of the Holy Spirit. And for the next three or four sessions, we're going to be doing that on Wednesday. We just finished up the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it took us three weeks. We found out what the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not. Then we found out what the fullness of the Holy Spirit is. And then last week, we looked at how how do we get the fullness of the Holy Spirit? And so the process that we go about uh, seeking uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about you have to have a hungry heart. I will pour water on him that is thirsty. And keep asking and asking. Keep in mind, the Bible says, will not be drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that is be ye being filled. So it's a constant process. It's not enough to be filled with the Spirit once. It's a constant daily looking to the Holy Spirit, yielding to Him so that He has control of our life. We're going to start reading verse 16 of chapter 14. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that ye may abide with you, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you." And keep in mind, we talked about this uh, uh, maybe two months ago. Uh, He is with you, but shall be in you. So in the Old Testament, you had the Holy Spirit upon people. And after the resurrection, you had the Holy Spirit indwelling people. But the disciples here had the Holy Spirit with them, but not in them. And so there's a big difference there. You and I as believers have the Holy Spirit of God in us. The very moment we trust Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. Now, that's not the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've taught on that already, so I'll not uh, go over it again. In verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also." At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and, the, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself to us, and not into the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me... He will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not 
keepeth not my sayings, and the world, the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken in you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, and here's another verse I want us to look at, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And we'll stop right there. So in this passage of Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. He's called the Spirit of Truth. And then, uh, lest there be any uh, people mixing up who is this Comforter, who is this Spirit of Truth, he says in verse uh, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And so uh, I just love the way that the Word of God always wants to explain itself. So if you have a question and you're thinking, well, there's no answer, you just haven't kept reading. Just keep on reading and God always comes up with the answers. And so the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God, uh, called the Holy Ghost, called the Holy Spirit, called the Comforter, called the Spirit of Truth, is whom comes to us after the resurrection. And we looked at John chapter 20, where Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And so they had the indwelling, and then there will be the infilling, tarry ye into Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So we want to start looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of verses, if you want to do a study, and we're going to go over most of those verses, about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, keep in mind, He is essential. Uh, Jesus said, it is uh, needful, it is important that I go, and needful that I go, in order that the Holy Spirit will come. And it was to edify us, to build us, to come indwell us, and empower us. First of all, we see the Holy Spirit of God strives. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, you can follow along on the verses up on the screen now. The Bible says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. The Holy Spirit will not always strive with man. Well, what does that word strive mean? It means to work with. It means to work on the behalf of. The Holy Spirit is working on the behalf of mankind to draw them to a saving relationship with Christ and then for them to grow in the Christian life. So the purpose is to woo us to Christ after we trust Christ as our personal Savior and then he wants to conform us into the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Uh, he strives with us. He works with us and he works on our behalf. Now, he works on our behalf in that while we're trying to witness, he's witnessing and he is speaking on the inside what we can only speak on the outside. But we also see the Holy Spirit of God works to us and with us in the fact that he brings conviction. Remember, he brought conviction before he brought conversion, but even as a believer. You ever get convicted? Of course we do, all the time. The Holy Spirit of God will convict us. He indwells us, and he'll say, uh, that's not right, or you should have done that, uh, you didn't do that. Now, he's not there to um, 
uh, trouble us. He's there to help us and guide us and teach us what Christ wants us to do. So the first thing we see is the Holy Spirit of God strives. Secondly, the Holy Spirit of God reproves. I'm going to give these in orders one, two, three, four, but they're in no such order as far as the Bible's concerned. They're all equally as important, but they are a role of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit reproves in John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And what's interesting is all three of these are essential for us to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We need to have a conviction of sin. We have to realize we're a sinner. Someone said, if you don't get lost, you can't get saved. How can you get found if you're not lost? So we come to that realization that I'm lost. I'm dead in trespasses and sins. And so he convicts us of sin uh, and we realize we're a sinner. And then secondly, and of righteousness. Now, that's not of our righteousness, nor is it our desire or need to be righteous. It is uh, presenting, the Holy Spirit presents the righteousness of Christ. Uh, if all we saw is our sin, okay, we understand that, but there's no hope with that. That's just despair. We are alienated from God. We are lost. We're outside and there's no way to come to God because of our sin. But the Holy Spirit of God always uh, also convinces us of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are not saved by our righteousness, not by our obedience, but through his obedience and his righteousness. And Jesus' righteousness is what we're trusting in order to become a child of God and become born again. And not only sin and righteousness, but then judgment. They must believe that unless they trust the Savior, there will be judgment. So I understood I was a sinner as a nine-year-old boy. I understood that Jesus Christ paid the debt for my sin. But I also had to understand judgment. That if I chose not to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, it would not be well for me. Uh, we are born into this world. We are going to live forever in either heaven or hell. And Christ died so we could go to heaven. But we have to make a choice. And if we choose to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, then we are not under the wrath of God. We're under the reward that Christ alone uh, earned for us. Now, keep in mind, it is our choice, but the Holy Spirit of God is pulling us to the Savior, that he woos us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone said you could take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, that may be true, but you can salt its oats, so he's thirsty. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God does for a sinner. He gets us thirsty. He might say, well, I'm not interested in that. I don't care about that. But God brings circumstances to bear in their life where they start thinking, uh, I think I need Jesus. Boy, what, it, this life isn't working out very well for me. I think I need to reach out and try Jesus. I need to trust him as my Savior. And so the Holy Spirit of God does that. 
So he reproves the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The third one is the Holy Spirit of God quickens, quickens. Now that's an interesting word we don't use very much. We'll say, uh, uh, do this quickly. And what we mean is hurry up on that, do it very swiftly. But that's not what the old English word means. The word quicken in our King James Bible means to make alive. It is to bring to life that which was dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians says it this way, uh, Ye who were were dead in trespasses and sin, hath he quickened us together with Christ. So he made us alive in Jesus Christ. But let's look at uh, John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Okay, so the Holy Spirit of God quickens, brings us to life. And it says concerning our flesh, our flesh profiteth nothing. What does that mean? It means when it comes to salvation, there's nothing we could do to become alive. We are dead men without Christ. We are dead spiritually until we trust Christ as our personal Savior. And when you're dead spiritually, there's nothing a dead spiritual person can do to bring life into their soul. The only thing to do is to trust Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And when you trust Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes and indwells the believer. And that very second you place faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God quickens us, brings us to life again. Keep in mind, Adam and Eve were given, uh, created and placed in the garden. The Bible says uh, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became, man became a living soul. We have body, spirit and soul and that's the triune person. The Bible says God created us in his own image, not two arms, two legs, but a body, a soul and a spirit. We are a triune being like God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So we have three parts, and yet we're one person. And so uh, God is three persons, and yet one God. And the Bible says, And the day that thou eatest of it, thereof thou shalt surely die. And so what happened? Eve took of the fruit, and then Adam took of the fruit, and... uh, But the Bible says, in the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. Did they die physically? No, they didn't die physically. They were hiding in the bushes when God came to fellowship. Did they die mentally? No, they didn't die mentally because they thought, we need a cover story. Let's tell God about the serpent and it's all his fault. And and Adam says, well, I'm going to throw in the fact that it's your fault. And uh, so he was thinking without discussing that with his wife, right? And uh, then, uh, but did they die spiritually? Yes, they did. Because their relationship with God was broken. And that's why they were hiding. And that's why they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And that's why an angel, a cherubim with the sword that turned each way, kept them from coming in lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever. 
So ever since that day, we have been born dead spiritually. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a dead spirit. But when we trust Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God breathes life into our spirit. So we become alive in Christ, alive in Christ, and we are alive spiritually. The Bible says the natural man understandeth not the things that be of God, for they are spiritually discerned, neither indeed can he. The Bible says uh, that we're to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, because we cannot worship God unless it says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it is only until we become born again and the Holy Spirit of God has quickened our spirit and now indwells our spirit that we can fellowship with God who is a spirit and we worship him in spirit. That's why we don't bow down to any idols. We don't bow down to any images. We only look to the Lord Jesus Christ and we fellowship with him. So the Holy Spirit quickens us, Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. So he has made us alive, brought us to life. By the way, uh, since we as Christians, uh, as believers, are alive, we should not act like dead people. Amen? I've been in churches sometimes and I'm wondering if anybody's alive in here. I, I, I'm not saying we're having Christian aerobics time, you know, but uh, we, there ought to be some joy and some excitement because we serve a risen Savior. Amen. And every time we gather together, we are celebrating the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we meet on Sunday. But every time we meet together, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive and he has made us alive through faith in him. And then the Holy Spirit of God testifies of Christ. In John chapter 15 and verse 26, the Bible says, when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And so that's an interesting thing. The Holy Spirit of God indwells us as a Christian. How do we know that Jesus is real? How do we know what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ is true? Well, we know that because the Holy Spirit of God testifies of him and he lives in us and he speaks to our spirit. And he lets us know that the word of God is true and Jesus Christ is real. And that's why we have fellowship with him. In John chapter 14, as we read earlier, he said, uh, I and the father and the father and you and we and, and uh, we are with them. And so you see that when we trust Jesus Christ as our savior, we not only get the Lord Jesus Christ, we get the Holy Spirit, we get God the Father. We are one with God because of Jesus Christ. We have been adopted into the family of God. 
And that's a wonderful thing to know because that lets us be reassured of the fact that we're going to be forever in heaven with God forever and ever and ever in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be an interesting thing. People says, well, well, uh, will we know the Holy Spirit? Will we be able to see God? Will we be able? Well, the obvious answer is yes. Yes, we will. Now, then you ask the question, well, how will we do that? Well, now, that's, a, that's one I don't have an obvious answer for, okay? Uh, I'll let you know that uh, in a few more years when we're all up there in heaven. But the Bible tells us that Moses asked to see God, and God put him in the cleft of the rocks and put his hand over it. And then he uh, announced his coming as he went by him, and then he took his hand away, and Moses saw the back parts of God. And when he came down off the mountain, his face just glowed like the sun, and they had to put a veil because everyone was scared to death. What happened? He was in the presence of God. Now just think how we're going to look in heaven. We're going to be radiating too because we are forever in the presence of God. Wow, what an amazing time that's going to be. That's going to be exciting. Uh, The Holy Spirit testifies to the sinner. This is his reproving, as we mentioned earlier. And then the Holy Spirit testifies to the child of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's the testimony of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Now, that's not the burning in the bosom that the Mormons talk about or Jehovah or Latter-day Saints talk about, another name for them. Uh, That is a a conviction because the Holy Spirit of God indwells us and speaks to us. In the Old Testament, it says it this way, and thou shalt hear a voice behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Now that's the instruction of the Holy Spirit of God in the Old Testament. But we have that in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us on a regular basis. Mike, you need to do that. Mike, you need to pray for these people. Mike, you need to text them and let them know you love them. You see, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt us to do things on a regular basis. And that's such a wonderful thing. And, and if we want to be uh, Christians that are full, with, full of the Spirit of God and have the fullness of God or the Holy Spirit of God's fullness, then we have to learn to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God. So you don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit just to ignore His promptings. We want to yield to his promptings. When he leads us, we want to say, that's what I want to do. I'm just going to do it, whether I want to or not. If the Holy Spirit prompts you, you want to do that. And so we need to be mindful of that and be constantly aware of those things. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were, we were in some state. And I, I, I forget, we've been to a few here lately. And so we were in one state, and the pastor took us out to eat. Uh, let's see, it was for breakfast. And so we were eating breakfast, and I saw a lady come in with four children. And I don't know if all four of them were children, because they were all pretty similar 
uh, ages, but it looked like it was her children. And she came in and sat down, and they're all sitting around there, and they got water and stuff. And she's looking through the menu, um, and she's looking at the menu as though, what can I afford? What, what can I buy to feed these four children? Now, if you have four children, you can identify with that, right? <laughs> and uh, so uh, she was looking at that, and I saw that, and, and I knew I had a... No, I thought I had a $50 bill in my pocket. And I opened up my billfold, and I looked, and, and I didn't have it. So I'm so glad I looked to my wife, who I know is submissive to the Holy Spirit. And I said, honey, do you have a $50 bill? She said, uh, I believe so. I said, could I have it right now? I'll pay you back, I promise. <laughs> and, and I did, didn't I? Okay, I did. And uh, she did, uh, so I got the $50 bill. I walked over to where the lady is. I said, ma'am, you've got wonderful kids. They're well-behaved. They're just wonderful kids. I said, I just want to give you this and, and just uh, buy your breakfast this morning. And she said, what? And I said, well, uh, you've got wonderful family here, and I just want to try to be a blessing to you today. She said, well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And it was, it was real sweet. And then as we're going out, my wife said, honey, I thought about doing the exact same thing. And I said, well, I'm so glad one of us obeyed the Spirit. And so, no, I did not say that, did I? I did not say that, but nor did I even think that, but because we're still married. <laughs> so, but the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15 says, Wherefore, uh, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before. Now, when you, when you read the Bible, uh, you ever have this happen to you. I know, I know you do as a Christian. You read the Bible and you're reading a portion and it just, it just comes alive. It just comes alive to you. You know, you're just reading, you know, let me, okay, I'll get through some chapters today and you read something and it just, boy, it just speaks to your heart. It just, it just comes alive to you. Why does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit is the witness to everything that happened in the Bible. And so as we read that, the Holy Spirit of God speaks that to us. The Holy Spirit makes that passage come alive. And so it's such a wonderful blessing to see the Holy Spirit of God revealing truth to us and speaking truth to us and being that witness because he is an eyewitness and so, uh, you know, when you go to court on a traffic ask, accident or something happens or uh, whatever reason, uh, one of the things the judge is particularly interested in is an eyewitness. And uh, what's the authority of the eyewitness? Is it someone who's reputable? Is it someone who's trustworthy? Well, let me say the third person of the Trinity is pretty trustworthy. 
the Bible says uh, God is not a man that he should lie. And he lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit of God will lead us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit of God testifies of Christ. Here's, a, here's one I love. The Holy Spirit of God seals the believer. Seals the believer. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. I was raised in a Baptist denomination growing up that believed that you could lose your salvation, uh, or at least the possibility that you could lose your salvation. I was preaching in Jacksonville, Florida uh, last uh, Sunday, and I was talking to a a gentleman, and he said... uh, He said, when I saw that Mike Mutchler was going to speak here, I got to thinking, I know that name. I know that name. And I'm thinking, you've been around the post office looking for uh, pictures of me or something? And he said, "Uh, do you have a sister named Mary? I said, yes, I do. I have a brother named Phil. I have a sister named Mary. And I have a sister named Sue. And he said, Uh, did you perchance go to Bible college in Nashville, Tennessee? I said, yes, I did. And he said, did you go to so-and-so Bible? I said, yes, I did. I said, I did, my brother did, and my two sisters did. And for one year, all four of us were in Bible college at the same time. And he said, "I, I was in Bible college with your sister, Mary. I said, oh, okay. He said, I was in that same denomination. And I came out because I got convinced that we could not lose our salvation. And I thought, I cannot stay in a denomination that believes you can lose your salvation when I know the Bible teaches I can't lose my salvation. So I came out. And then he said, I went to an independent Baptist church. I said, well, God bless you. I said, that happened to me too. And, uh, and so we shared some talk there. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit of God seals us. How do we know we're still saved? We trust Christ as our Savior. Look, I got saved at nine. I did more sinning after I got saved than before I got saved. Miss Vicki, <laughs> she is like the Holy Spirit. She's a witness. <laughs> And she, she's a witness, uh, not, not as accurate as the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, she's a witness. The Holy Spirit of God seals me. Now, if I was to look at my life, I, I would say, hey, listen, I try to be a very good Christian, but am I a perfect Christian? No. No, I'm not. And do I, I feel that imperfection at times? Oh, yeah. And there were times in my Christian life where I thought, how could I be saved? Man, I wouldn't even thought that thought if I was saved, much less done something, you know. And, and I would say I've been a r- relatively good guy. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm still a sinner saved by God's grace. But I know other people struggle with that. 
Pastor, I, I'm a Christian, but I still got a problem with these words that pop out of my mouth when I get upset. I still have this problem that when I get upset, this anger flares up me. I still have this problem that I want to speak my mind when I know I should be quiet. Uh, I still have these problems. How is it that I could be saved? Because you're not saved by your righteousness. You're saved by his righteousness. And the reason you know you're saved is because the Holy Spirit of God seals us when we trust Christ as our Savior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So he sealed us and then gave us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now, there's two things in that verse. One is you are sealed... And the Bible's going to tell us we're sealed till the day of redemption, if you're wondering how long you're sealed. But secondly, it says the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation. Now, if you've ever purchased a house, you know that part of the process is in order for the seller to know that you're serious about it, you put down earnest money. And so you put down maybe 500 or 1,000 or maybe some more. It depends on the size of the property and everything. So you put down earnest money. Now what that means is, I'm putting down this money to show you that I have every intention of purchasing this house. And if for some reason I were just to change my mind, then you get to keep the earnest money. And since I don't want to lose that earnest money... I want to go through with the deal. And I want you to just hold me until we get all the financing done and then you're going to get paid in 30 days to 45 days. Or if I got cash, which no way under heaven do I have, and uh, I'm going to buy that. But if you renege, they get to keep that earnest money. Now, if God was not to keep his word about our salvation, he would lose the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't be the Trinity, it'd be the duet. And that's not going to happen. And so the Holy Spirit of God indwells us, and when we are raptured, the presence of the Holy Spirit, of course, goes with us as well. He's not limited by our bodies, but he indwells all believers. And so he seals us, and he's the earnest of the Spirit. He's the down payment of eternity. The Bible says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into uh, the heart of man the things which, or the mind of man, the things which God has promised uh, or prepared for them that love him. But the very next verse tells us, but we have the mind of Christ. So in other words, how do we know heaven's real? Because the Holy Spirit of God's the earnest. He tells us, man, it's wonderful. He doesn't describe it to us or we'd check out early. We'd say, oh, I'm sorry. I was just walking down this path. I didn't know it was the railroad train. I, I didn't know it was the railroad track. I was, how did I wind up in heaven? Uh, no, I, I believe there's a reason the Bible doesn't tell us how wonderful heaven is. We'd all figure out ways to trip in front of a moving car. Uh, I'm saying it's wonderful. And the Holy Spirit lets us know. It's wonderful, and we're going there. 
and it's a wonderful thing. Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And that Holy Spirit of promise is the promise that Jesus made about the comforter coming, about the Holy Spirit. So we're sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer. So if you ever question your salvation, you're questioning the integrity of God and the veracity of God, which fancy word, it simply means truthfulness of God. God told you that the Holy Spirit of God has sealed us into the day of redemption. We have no right to question God because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us as a believer. Now, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, then you can be doubtful about your salvation. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you have called upon Jesus Christ to save you, then you're saved. Because whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, interesting word, shall be saved. Not maybe, might be, hope to be, wishful thinking. No, sir, shall be. If we place faith in Christ, God will save the worst sinner who places faith in Christ. And so when you get to the place where you're willing to trust God's word on the matter of salvation, that's when we get saved. And that's how we know we're sealed, because God said it, it settles it forever. Someone said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Someone else said, God said it, whether you believe it or not, that settles it. And that's true too. Ephesians 4.20 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, I love that fact that he's sealed. Now, many, many years ago, I've illustrated this before uh, to some of you may have seen it, but many of you have not. Uh, many years ago, I was in high school. Believe it or not, we just got out of the ark and they had this building and we went in it. Uh, that's, that's how long ago I was in high school almost. So I was in high school. And in high school, uh, we had to do biology and we did projects. And one of the things we did was collect uh, insects. Whoever came up with that idea, I don't know. How many ever did that, collect insects for biology? And you have to have a board and you have to have all these things. About that time, something that became very popular was epoxy, epoxy. And you had to have the resin and you had to have the hardener and you had to mix it together. And what you would do is mix that thing together and I would get one of those beetles and I would stick it in that epoxy. And uh, because I wanted him sealed forever until the day of redemption. That's what I, I was trying to act like the Holy Spirit for that bug. And so I, I pushed him down in there with a pin and there's this little air bubble, <laughs> little air bubble in the epoxy. And here's this bug. And he's sealed into the day of redemption. 
But the very moment I trusted Christ as my Savior, God sealed me. The Holy Spirit of God sealed me until the day of redemption. I cannot be taken away by the devil. My own sin can't take me away. My own will cannot take me away. I am sealed forever until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of God. So he seals the believer. And then finally we come to the last one. The Holy Spirit witnesses, witnesses. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says, And ye are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And that word obey him is not talking about living a life of obedience to the word of God. It's talking about the obedience of trusting Christ as our personal Savior. Uh, people, religious people came up to Jesus and said, how can we work the works of God? How can we do that? How can we work the works of God? They saw Jesus doing miracles. They said, how can we do that? How can we do the work of God? And here's what Jesus said. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Our faith is the only work we ever do. And faith, honestly, is not work. It's just trust. So when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on him, then we've done the work of God. And the righteousness of Christ is put on our account in heaven. Now, in, in Acts chapter 5, he's saying, ye are his witness. Ye are witnesses of these things. And so when we have the book of Acts and uh, the apostle Paul and his epistles, they were eyewitnesses. I like the way John said, that which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have uh, handled with our hands. We have handled even the word of life. That shows us Jesus didn't resurrect a spirit. He said we touched him. Uh, after the resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples, See, he said, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bo uh, bone as you see me have. Handle me. Verify it. And that's exactly what the disciples did. He said to Thomas, put your finger there. Put your hand here. And be not faithless but believing. A wonderful thing. But, but the problem is, we can't go ask Paul now because he's in heaven. We can't go ask John or Peter or James or Andrew. We can't, we can't go ask them. They were witnesses. And they wrote about it. But we can't ask them. But the Holy Spirit is a witness and we can't ask him because he lives inside of us. He is our companion. He is our guide. He is the spirit of truth. And so the Holy Spirit of God is the witness that what the apostles wrote as a witness is true. He verifies what they said and he verifies what took place as revealed in the word of God. And then in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Okay, what a wonderful testimony we have right there.
uh, the Holy Spirit beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. We've just looked at six of the works of the Holy Spirit. We have about a dozen more to look at, and we will the next Wednesday nights. But it's going to let you see the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life. And the more we find out that the Spirit does, the more essential we understand His role in our life to be. So the most important thing for me as a believer is learn to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. And the more I can yield to the Holy Spirit of God, the more He can guide me, the more He can bless me, the more He can empower me to serve my Savior and to witness, the more effective He will be in my life and ministry as I yield to Him. The less I yield to the Holy Spirit, the less I will sense his presence and power in my life. And that's why it's absolutely essential that we develop a very good relationship with the Holy Spirit of God because he is going to be the one who shares with us more and more about Jesus. He's going to testify of Jesus. And if we love our Savior then we want to love somebody who knows about him more than anybody else, the Holy Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let uh, the Holy Spirit of God speak to all of our hearts. Oh, he wants to guide us. He wants to teach us. He wants to mature us in the faith. He wants to comfort us. I think about Steve Wilkinson, uh, his family. I, I think about those names and people in our church that pastor called off and oh I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit comforts how could we go through loss like that without the Holy Spirit's comfort and so we pray for our good friends and loved ones Heavenly Father we are so grateful for the role of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit help us to be yielded to you Uh, please uh, fill us with your presence Lord as we yield to you Please take more control of our life. And I pray that we'd follow you, yield to you. I pray, dear Father, we would not uh, do that which brings reproach to our Savior or to you. Lord, we don't want to quench the Spirit of God. We want to uh, have you work mightily in our lives. Now, Father, I pray you'll bless these good people, these dear Christians who come out on a Wednesday night. Oh, how I pray that you'll help them and strengthen them and bless them, Lord. Do what only you can do. And Lord, for whatever cares a dear Christian has tonight, would you shoulder that for them? Would you take that care, that burden, and would you carry it off their shoulders and carry it for them? And bless them, dear Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Piano's playing. You can just bow your head right there, and if God's speaking to your heart, you can talk to Him. If you want to make a trip to an altar, you can do that. But let God speak to your heart. Make a decision for Christ. Settle something. Let the Spirit of God move in your heart, move in your life. 
He wants to. He wants to so desperately. bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's such a joy to see our uh, college kids here. We're thrilled to have them. I'm thrilled. My wife and I are thrilled to have our youngest son, Alex, and his wife, Carly, uh, just recently moved back from Texas. And uh, it's so good to have a newlywed in the service here as well. We have Mr. and Mrs. Clark Cutting, newlyweds in the back here. Raise your hand, Clark. The newlyweds, God bless you. Let's give them a big hand. I am so happy for them. Uh, Sunday before last, he, he told me, he said, I'm married. I said, praise the Lord. He said, now I just need to, the past to be able to clear up so my wife can get over here. And what a joy to have you with us, Miss Cutting. Mm-hmm. We're thrilled to have you. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer as we dismiss. Lord, thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless the services this Sunday. Move in our midst. Be with the uh, Christmas Eve uh, service as well. And thank you for these good people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.